1: Welcome to another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry, the Cat's Paws. Derek, it's Mailbag Friday, and we have a full mailbag this week.
0: Yeah, I think much more than we've ever really had. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> we can get to all these questions. Uh, we appreciate everybody taking the time to send them in. And since people did that, I'm, we'll do our best to answer, what, what, nine or ten questions we have, I think?
1: It's at least nine counting what you what you're bringing into on your end yeah. and i don't have i just checked my dms i don't have anything in there but who knows that might change uh and i put this up at ten thirty nine on twitter so within an hour and a half we've got a full mailbag uh but let's get to some other news before we jump into that segment and then we'll also jump in and talk about uh the sec slate for this week uh Derek, big news piggyback off last night sky clark five-star guard for 2022, committed to Kentucky. We recorded immediate reaction to that. What did you think about LeBron James replying to Sky Clark on Instagram and saying congrats? This is a kid, Derek, that has a lot of respect from a lot of people in the sports world.
0: Yeah, I I actually hadn't seen that, but that's a really cool thing for Sky. Uh, You know, it's it's interesting to me just because LeBron, I, I would say by the time that You know, people like us, we can remember when LeBron – I mean, I remember watching LeBron in high school when I was a kid. So, I guess for a kid like Sky, like, I don't know how I would compare him to just because, like, LeBron has been that guy his whole life, basically since he's been watching basketball. So, I couldn't imagine being that age and having uh, one of the most famous superstars in the world, in the sports world anyway, uh, telling me congratulations. I mean, that's an awesome thing for that kid that I'm sure he'll never forget. He'll never forget yesterday, committing to Kentucky. But to add that on is – that's pretty That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, that is pretty cool for him. And I know he's been busy for like the last 16, 17 hours. His Instagram, his social media has been blowing up. Uh, just really good news for Kentucky basketball. We'll see where it goes from here and where they go with 2022. But the big topic right now, Derek, is 2021 and kind of how they piece this class together. Now that Sky's for 22, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. But as of right now, it's Nolan Hickman. He's the only guy that's in that class, uh, kind of waiting on Bryce Hopkins to see. By the time we record Monday, that's a possibility that he could be in this class. Uh, but there's also some other guys there, Hunter Salas. We've got to wait and see if it's going to be a spring decision or if it's going to be sooner. Uh, Damian Collins is another guy that we want to talk about. Derek, can you have some news this morning on that one?
0: Yeah, I said earlier this week I didn't think the Collins thing was going to work out, but apparently I was wrong on that, which uh, not the first time. Uh, at least potentially wrong because on Friday morning, there were two crystal ball picks from both of our top national analysts at 24 seven sports, uh, Eric bossy, a recent hire and Brian snow have both put in a crystal ball for Damian Collins to go to Kentucky. So he had a VIP thing. I'm not going to read that I just that I don't want to take premium info and post it, but just basically it was that the assumption that, uh, Oklahoma being out front, maybe wasn't accurate. And the work that Jay Lucas is doing, uh, has really put Kentucky in a good spot for this kid.
1: Yeah, and that's big news because they need uh, post-presence in this class. It looks like they're going to get a lot of wing guys. Hopkins a forward if they land him, but they, they need a big guy, and I think Collins would be that guy for the 2021 class. Derek, there's a lot of news on the U.K. basketball recruiting front, but Kentucky football also landed a commitment last night, if you want to touch on that, and it came late last night too.
0: Did come late last night. It had been hinted out for a few days uh, from Josh Edwards at Cat's Ball. He had gotten the scoop on this, I know for sure, two or three days ago because he told me about it. But it did come out last night. It was Jamarius Dinkins, a uh, three star defensive end from Ohio, a fertile ground for UK and recruiting. He had other offers, I believe, Michigan State, uh, Pittsburgh, some schools like that. So a solid Power Five level kid who uh, fits right in the middle of this class. I think his ranking's kind of right in the middle. Uh, I think he was number 6'39 nationally when I looked last night. So 6'6". Six six. Um, I saw some reports that he's already up to 270 pounds. So this is a kid two or three years from now, once he's been in a weight program, you could see him really start to make some moves. And I, I like this commitment, Sean, because with that defensive line class they just signed last year, I don't, and what, what they're going to have coming back anyway, I don't think there are really any, really probably anywhere in this class outside of the skill positions, I don't think any of these guys are going to be asked to play early. So this should be a kid who can work in, uh, real easy, and he won't need to be out there before he's ready. Did I say Jamarius Dinkins or Minkins? Is it Dinkins? I hope I didn't. Mess yeah, it's up. Dinkins.
1: Dinkins. Yeah, you're yeah. you're fine. Uh, but yeah, that was the that was kind of the quiet news last night because Sky kind of got all yeah. the attention, rightfully so, with being you know a big time basketball target and kind of jump starting the 2022 class, but the football. Recruiting kind of, uh, and it was late. I think it was close to midnight. Close to yeah, yeah, it was 11. Right. Yeah, it was it's late. I didn't, I didn't even see it until this morning. So uh, that was some news uh the football recruiting. We'll, we'll dive into that more as well as we get closer to uh, football signing day. We'll dive in and we'll go over all those those football commitments in that Kentucky class. But, Derek, let's go ahead and let's just jump into the mailbag because it's it's full. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And I'm going to start with my favorite question. And this comes via your brother, Dalton Terry. And this is a really good question. I hadn't even thought of this. When is the Butcher's Pub going to name the Buffalo Chicken Sandwich after you? Derek, as much as I've plugged that thing, it needs to happen soon, doesn't it? We need to have a ceremony at the pub and naming that sandwich yeah. after
0: me. The Sean Smith Buffalo Chicken Sandwich. Man, <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It, it does. There.
1: And I've got big time plans. if If, if things work out for us... I'm going to plug that sandwich in a very, very solid way very, very soon. I can't tell you because I want it to be a surprise to everyone oh, okay. listening, so I can't tell you now. I'll tell you whenever we stop recording, but we'll see how that works out. But, That's
0: uh, news to me. I also appreciate you uh, overlooking his typo right there. Dalton needs to he needs to double-check before he hits send on his tweets. The butcher's pup. So <laughs> At the Butcher's Pub is what we were looking for there, Dalton, uh, but it's
1: okay. Close, Dalton. <laughs> Maybe.
0: Closest. One letter off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, we got hey. a lot of questions, though, Sean. I mean.
1: We uh, do. And Dalton, I'm, I'm
0: very happy to see this, there were some Dalton's, days, I mean, it was tough to get through.
1: Dalton's forgive, forgiven for that mistake, though, because he did try that buffalo yeah. chicken sandwich, so. It was so good. Maybe it just made him forget where he was. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, let's get to I, another. I want to ask
0: you this one, Sean. This comes from Burke, uh, our friend Burke. How many podcasts and Sean does workload before he spontaneously combusts? Tell us. Tell us what addition you had to your podcast uh, repertoire this week.
1: Oh, so now I'm on. Sources say on the KSR network with uh, Jack Pilgrim and David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. So I'm, I'm a permanent co-host with that, and like last night, you and I recorded a Breaking News Kentucky Daily episode about Sky Clark, and as soon as you and I recorded, I put it up, I was on the phone with Jack recording about Sky Clark. And I caught myself – I said a lot of the same things, but then I would say other things too because once my mind was going – so I'm trying to trying to give a – it's a, it's a variety. I put up a tweet earlier this week. I said, you can find me on Kentucky Daily five days a week between two athletes a couple of times. I still have the Go Big Blue Country podcast. And then now on Sources Say. So, Bert, uh, you're right. I don't know if I add one more, I might actually explode. But then next week, I'm going to be on radio like five days next more, next uh, next week every morning. So I'll be on Just the Cats. Too. Michael Bennett asked me to to call into the show there, so I have no I idea how much that, more uh, I can...
0: I think I heard that getting set up down there in Knoxville, am I right? I thought I heard I thought I <laughs> it It was. Down of the press box.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to plug the heck out of Kentucky Daily. That's what I'm going to continue doing on all these platforms is just Kentucky Daily, Kentucky Daily. So, yeah, you're right, Beasy. I don't know how much more I can take on top of everything else. If I had one more, I'd probably have to subtract something. So I think this is it for me. My mailbag's full, too. <laughs>
0: it looks like the rest of these are pretty specific questions on either basketball or football. I'm I'm actually in your mentions right now, Sean, looking at these. If I got tagged, I don't always see the tweets that I get tagged in. I uh, Just the way I have my settings set up. But uh, let's start. I'll ask you this one, Sean, with a football question. This is from Matthew Alexander. He actually has two questions. We'll answer this one first. Basically, he's asking, what is your win-loss prediction for the football team the rest of the season?
1: And that's a shout out to the game day chat. Matt is he's in a, he's in a chat with okay. me on Twitter. So that's uh that's really good to see him in the MoBags. So the win loss for the rest of the football season, wow. Boy, has it sure changed since we yeah, actually yeah. talked about this a couple of weeks ago. So there's six games left, correct? No? Yes.
0: Six games, yeah. Yep, six
1: games left. So at at Missouri, Georgia at home, Vandy at home, at Alabama, at Florida. South Carolina at home, I'm gonna say the safe pick is three and three
0: mm-hmm.
1: with a with a chance to get to four and two. I think that would be the the ideal number to put it at i would I feel confident in three and three uh I don't think they'll go to two and four. I think they'll at least go three and three, but I do think that they'll put themselves in position to steal one at some point, maybe Florida. Late in the season, or who knows what happens in that Georgia matchup next weekend. So I think three and three with a chance to go four and two.
0: Yeah, I said six and four in the preseason. Uh, if they get to six and four, it's not going to be how I predicted it. But since there's a path there, I'm going to keep it at that just to stay with what I had in the preseason. Feel real smart if they can get to uh, six and four. I'm going to say they they beat Missouri, they beat Vanderbilt. That's four wins, and then they beat South Carolina to get to five, and then I'm going to pick. Let's just do it just for fun. Florida, they're going to win down yeah. there in Gainesville the second straight time. So, don't see them. Uh, I mean, at this point, and I don't, I don't think they're going to beat Georgia. But really, the only game at this point, I'm going to say Alabama. They, I just don't think they're going to be able to keep up with the way Alabama's going to score. If Alabama put up forty something points on Georgia, I just, I, I just don't know if they're really beatable this season. Um, but the way Georgia's offense has. It's been okay. I don't think Georgia's had a bad offense. But if Kentucky's defense can show up that game, I think they can at least do enough to – basically what I'm trying to say is I think it'll be closer than what I might have said two weeks ago. Like I think they might be able to make that a little bit of a game, but I'm not going to pick a win. But the way Florida's defense has been so bad this year, and if Kentucky's defense keeps getting better, I think they got a real shot to to pull an upset down there.
1: And I predicted in the preseason seven and three, and that's a stretch. I mean, you're going to have to beat Georgia and Florida. To get to that, so I think that the loss to Ole Miss kind of shot that in the foot. Yeah. But six and four is what you said, and I think they have a chance to get to that. But in my mind, Derek, if they just get to five and five, and with the win against Tennessee, it's a successful year, and then you have something to build on going into to next year as well. But I do think that six and four, they'll have a chance to get that. Sticking with Matt, he had another question. Also, what does Kentucky need to do this season to hold a huge recruiting class? Derek, that's a really good question.
0: Yeah, that's a harder one to answer this year just because I don't really know what's going on behind the scenes without kids being able to take visits. Because used to, I mean, you could kind of figure it out. Where were kids taking their unofficials, officials? Where were they taking their officials? You could kind of figure out exactly uh, who the competition might be. Whereas this year, with it all being virtual, I mean, we're really not going to know who's calling these kids unless they just – someone reports it or they talk about it. Yeah. Um, from what I can tell and talking to some people who cover football recruiting, I don't see anybody that I would be seriously worried about flipping right now. It doesn't mean that everybody's a hundred percent on board, but I, nothing in the works that make me think that it's going to fall apart. But obviously the easiest solution is always winning. If you you know keep winning, uh, that's going to solve a lot of problems. I think there was a lot of, a lot of people feeling good after last week's win. Just keep playing well. And, uh, show that you have at least stability in the program. Kentucky's really done a good job showing that over the years, and that's why I don't think I'm too concerned with this play. I definitely don't think it's going to fall apart, and the good news is your top-rated kid, Jagger Burton, he's not going anywhere. I mean, he's 100% locked in, so
1: you'll always have him to
0: rally around in this class, even if maybe some of the other guys do eventually flip.
1: I would answer it this way. Uh, the receiver position, I think, is – You know, what they really need to to bring in. They need to hold on to all those guys they have there the Christian Lewis, the DeKale Crowdis. Uh, Derek, I think they took a step towards holding those guys Saturday when they made some plays in the passing game, getting Allen Daly going. I think that's the thing that they need to do to kind of hold on to all those pieces, is show some type of passing game the rest of the way.
0: I I totally agree with that. Um, That was a good stat, especially in the second half, but. I think working more guys in will be good. You know, Josh Ali is getting the target share right now, which is fine. I mean, he gets open a lot. Had a good year. I mean, he had the one fumble last week, but the way Josh has played this year, huh, that's forgivable, especially when you going to win by as much as Kentucky did. It's pretty easy to forget that that happened. Um, it was good to see Daly mixed in there. I do think you're going to see uh, Bryce Oliver. And how about this scoop for you? This has not been reported anywhere. I'm going to share it here on Kentucky Daily. I was told Isaiah Epps is back practicing this week. So he'd been out with a thumb injury. Don't know if that, that means he's going to play Saturday. Just means that uh, he's close to being back. So you're going to have some more guys. Another to... guy
1: that you can look at. Yeah, yeah, another, exactly. Another. It's another guy that you can look to and see, and hopefully for that kid Derek, he stays healthy. Yeah. I mean... Like hopefully that he can get in there and just have an have an opportunity. Like it, it's been two years since we've really got to see yeah. him healthy and on the field. And then another football question. This comes from CJ Die. How much of a fight will Kentucky put up against Georgia next week?
0: I wish I had – well, now that I see that, I wish I hadn't said what I said for the few a uh, few questions ago because I, I guess it's the same thing I already said. Like, I think Georgia's defense is so good. We'll see – like, ask me to, after tomorrow's game because I think it's a real kind of statement chance game for Kentucky's offense tomorrow. Got back on solid footing in the second half against Tennessee after, you know, pretty bad game against Mississippi State. Not a great first half against Tennessee, but then the second half they really got things wrong. If they can carry that over to Missouri – put up over 30 points again. And I'm not they get some help from the defense last week in those points. But if the, if the offense can go out there and score four, four or five touchdowns like they have earlier, uh, like against Ole Miss earlier this season, I think they'll be coming into that Georgia game with some confidence. But I think in order to beat Georgia, they're going to have to have an absolutely huge defensive performance, get some turnovers, set up some easy fields, and probably keep it a rather low-scoring game. So a lot of it, I think, is going to depend on the defense. But the offense is going to have to score. <sighs> I would think at least in the 20s, wouldn't you, Sean, to be able to yeah. beat Georgia? I can't imagine they'll be able to hold uh, the Bulldogs down that long. But we'll talk about that more tomorrow. I'm going to reserve my right to change my mind on that game after what we see Saturday.
1: Yeah, I want to see how Kentucky carries over the the momentum from the Tennessee win. Do they, do they come out flat at Missouri, or do they come out and kind of take care of business and just sort of dominate an opponent that I think they really have a good opportunity to do? I think that offensive line – has a chance to impose its will again, Derek, tomorrow and kind of just uh, put that game away early if the defense performs how they have the previous two games. But let's move on to the well, – do you have another football? I okay. do,
0: yes. Yeah, this is from Trey Gross. Uh, this is my text messages. So, um, Jared Casey, Vito Tisdell, J.J. Weaver, Octavius Oxendon, Isaiah Cummings all have seen the field and seem to be in the plans for the future. Is it actually possible to have a roster in a year or two that has a lot of key talent, Kentucky talent, on the field? Uh, I think it's a good question from Trey. And when you add in, I was trying to think of the two deep, all those guys he just mentioned I think for sure will be in the two deep next year, maybe even some starters in that next. I think Vito Tisdale could definitely be a starter. Cummings I think will have a chance with another year under his belt to compete for a starting job. And in this class, uh, you're going to have Dekel Crowd is coming in. Uh, I don't think Laveau Wright will be able to crack the two deep next year, but from what we saw from him, I mean, who knows? He had a really good game uh, against Frederick Douglass. But Jagger. potentially Bo Allen next year. Yeah, Jagger. Yeah, Jagger's going to be in the mix next season. Uh, I think it's a good question and something for a long time. People always talked about that. Kentucky just didn't have enough in-state talent to really build a team around. and It's getting better in that regard. 2022 is going to be a big year for that. They've got quite a few kids ranked pretty highly nationally who yeah. they need to capitalize on. But what do you think? What do you think, uh, Sean? Do you think you could see yeah. a lot more Kentucky guys helping this team win?
1: I, I do. I mean, could you could you get as many as seven or eight on the in the starting? I mean, I think so. Because when you're talking Casey and you're talking Weaver and you're talking Vito, I mean, there's there's people there's guys there that you can see that are going to be in the starting, you know, the eleven there for a very long time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of some. Some other guys, I mean, Dotson will probably start next year. Yeah. I think bo has got a shot. We'll see. I mean, that's, that's got to play out. Uh, Cummings, like I said, I think Vito is probably a lock next year to to start in some capacity. I just think he's going to be too good at that point to keep off the field. Maybe Weaver and Wright will keep splitting time until Wright uh, graduates. But regardless, you know he's going to play out there a lot. I mean, you've already, you've already started to see that where Weaver's out there pretty much every third down. I mean, he's got a really big role in this defense. So, yeah. It's been a big thing, and I think having Vince Merrill recruit the state of Kentucky has definitely helped in that regard. And if he can capitalize on this 2022 class, and if you can start that class off with Gavin Wimsat out of Owensboro, a highly rated four-star quarterback. I mean, you saw the Drew Barker effect back in 2014. Uh, getting a, a – and Bo Allen last year to uh, probably wasn't publicized as much as what Drew's was back in the day. But having that local kid leading the charge in a recruiting class, I think is always a pretty big deal. Yeah,
1: it is, and I I think that that's that's something encouraging to see is that Mark Stoops has been able to identify some talent in the state and they've been able to keep it at home. It's not not even splitting and going elsewhere. It's all coming to Kentucky the last few classes. But let's transition to the basketball side of things. How do you see Sky Clark playing at Kentucky? Uh, I'll take this one, Derek. I, I think that Sky will be a point guard. I know he's listed as a combo. I think he's going to be the point guard for that 2022 roster. I, I think that he is a guy that plays with great pace. Honestly, Corey Evans thought that he was the best point guard in high school that he's evaluated in, in the high school game right now. Uh, I think his passing is very underrated. Every time that I've talked to people, they they don't really mention his ability to pass. But what I saw that day that I watched him for two or three hours run up and down was his vision and the seams that he can fit, you know, the windows that he can fit a ball into. Like, it's it's crazy. I think that's the part of, the, of his game that you're going to see go to the next level the next couple of years. But the thing that stood out to me, Derek, when I watched him is guys wanted to play with him and guys were better with him on the floor. Like I said, I watched some very high-profile names not look very good for two games Run up and down the floor, and then Skywalks in the gym, and everything, it's almost like a well-oiled machine. You have the guy that's facilitating, and he's just so sneaky good with his athleticism that he can just blow by. You can get to the rim, finish with either hand. So I think he's, he's going to be one of those point guards that you like, that John Calipari brings in, that can play with the ball in his hands, that makes others better, and those are the guys that Cal likes.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Sky once he gets to Kentucky, whatever year that is. Um, he just feels like the kind of kid who gets to college to me and is just a really solid player. I don't know that he's going to – I don't know. I mean, I love that they have the option of seeing how things play out with this 21 class, and if you need him, he's there. And if not, if he wants to wait till 22, you can build your whole class around him for that year. I mean, that is if, – especially if they lend Hunter South, I mean, that is a – Phenomenal job, uh, Joel Justice, John Calipari, uh, Tony Barbie, all these guys on the staff. If they're able to accomplish that,
1: yeah, it's huge. If they can, uh, it's it's good insurance. It's an insurance policy there yeah. that you have that if you need him, you can bring him to twenty one if he wants to come and if he's ready to come. But uh, I think with Salas, if they get him in twenty one, I think the ideal scenario would be to leave Clark in twenty two and just let him have his own and his own class. And we already see. I mean, LeBron James is reaching out congratulating this kid. I mean, he's, he's probably going to be able to sell Kentucky to a lot of these guys. And in a time, Derek, where coaches, they can't leave campus and go recruit, kind of a big deal to have a guy on the ground with his stature and everything out there in the, in the basketball world. But let's move on. Uh, here's another basketball question. I think this is a very good one. Who will be the top two cats and three-pointers made? Outside shooting remains my question mark about the team. Isn't that the question mark really about every John Calipari team? Do they do they hit enough shots? I'm going to give you one. B.J. Boston I think will lead the team in three pointers made, and then you know my second guy. It's going to either be whoever emerges at that point guard spot, Devin Askew or Davion Mintz. I think that one of those two. Devin Askew is a very very good shooter. If he play if he ends up playing 27, 28, 29 minutes a night. Uh, he can definitely add that aspect to Kentucky's offense. I think he could find himself in that top two.
0: Yep, uh, definitely agree with you on Boston. I think he's going to end up attempting the most three-pointers on this team. My mind, when I read this question, went to Dante Allen, but the only problem I think for Allen is at this point, it's hard to know how many minutes he's going to play and how many shots he's going to be able to get. If he comes in and that becomes his clear role is that he can make three-pointers and he can play good enough defense – I think he'll have a spot on this team. I just don't know that he's going to get the volume to be one of the top two guys, but I think his percentage could be pretty good if he's as good of a shooter as he's cracked up to be. Um, we'll see if he makes him in games. I like your you pick. Um, I could see that. Uh, I don't know, Clark. I think he'll probably end up attempting a lot. I don't know. I think, you got, I think you hit on the net, though. A nail on the – whatever. It's on the head. A nail on the stuff. head. <laughs> on the head. Uh, I'd say Boston, you and Allen, if I was picking three, two of those guys would be who I'd pick. Now, maybe there would be somebody who goes out and surprises us. I don't think so. I mean, Jacob Toppin wasn't really he – had, he had a few decent games. I think he went three for four from three against Alabama. But for the season, he only shot like 24%. So – not necessarily his game, I don't think. Uh, Keon showed in the Florida game, Sean. He could step out there and hit him. I just don't think he's going to shoot a ton of threes this year. So I agree with you on the guards. I think uh, no. And
1: Keon's a guy that's going to benefit from the elite athleticism Kentucky has on the perimeter this year with Boston and Clark. I think Keon's going to be a guy that's going to have more space. Mm-hmm. To operate and do the things that he were, he was able to do in high school with maybe his face up game, some post up game too with Keon. We saw that last year. He can he can play in that spot. Uh, interesting to see what how this injury he has affects him and everything. Whenever I don't really know we don't really know exactly what's going on. I talked to his dad the other night and he said he's he's going to be good and everything. But I'm with you though. Boston for sure at the top. Boston's gonna he's going to shoot it I think at the best clip and I think he's going to hit the most. I think he's going to. Honestly, I think he'll be their leading scorer. I think Clark will be their second leading scorer. But as far as outside threat, I think that this is where Askew benefits a ton from Clark and Boston and their ability to to get to the paint and get get some easy opportunities and some good looks for some other guys on the perimeter. Uh, Staying with the basketball side, I think this is a good question, too, and it's about Jacob Toppin. It says, hey, Sean, I think this team will be really, really good. I keep seeing everyone say how good and impressive Jacob Toppin is. My question is, if Jake and Toppin is three quarters or half the player Obi was last year, and everyone else is who we think they will be, how does that change the expectations? Well, if they just get half of what Obi Toppin was, oh my! If because that guy was the best player in college basketball last year, National Player of the Year. If you get half the National Player of the Year, Derek, and Boston and Clark live up to what they are, I mean, it'd be it'd be hard to not pick this team probably top one, top two in the country, right? if you get that from him, a guy that you really didn't expect anything from?
0: Yeah, this question comes from Corey Hensley. Thanks for the question, Corey. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to say. I mean, if you do the half thing and you just take the averages that OB had last year, like that's like 10 points a game <laughs> from Jacob this year because I think OB averaged 20 and 7. At Dayton. I wrote the stats down a few days ago. I can't remember exactly what it was now, but. I mean, that'd be another great piece because I didn't factor him into my expectations at all just because, I mean, I think even even for people at UK, I think the assumption for a long time was he would just use this as a redshirt year, would have to sit out, he could develop, and now that he's available, I just think until you see him earn a role on this team, it's hard to kind of predict too much. I think he's definitely going to get his chance. I think all these guys are going to get a shot, but like I said uh, on the podcast, on our reaction podcast, to and and top becoming eligible, I think he's going to have the toughest fight for minutes uh, with Fletcher and, and Allen this year. I think that's the, coming off the bench. That's going to be the biggest position battle. So whoever wins out on that, I think will play a pretty big role in the team. But I would think from a mental standpoint, you know, Toppin, I think he knows he's – I don't want to call him a project. I don't think that's fair to call him a project. But you look at his high school rankings, like the one advantage I guess he has is he has played college basketball at this point, but he was not – I was highly regarded as a guy. Even even a guy like Dante Allen, who ended up being a four-star recruit. And Cameron Fletcher was a highly rated guy. You know, these are guys – and I think Cal actually likes Fletcher a lot too, Sean. He just feels like the kind of guy to me who Cal's going to like if he gets after on the defensive end. He's long. Um, probably not as polished offensively. So – to answer well, that question in a long way, like if he's if he exceeds expectations, then yeah, you're gonna have a really really good team. But I think they can have a really really good team even without Toppin being that guy, because I think someone will emerge even if it's not him.
1: Yeah, um, I I like Toppin's game. I think that Toppin's a guy that's gonna find his way through through this Kentucky program in, in a big way. I think he'll have a he'll have a big role at some point, but. Just having just the luxury of having a guy like that who has collegiate experience, I don't think that can be overstated, even though it was at Rhode Island. I think just having collegiate experience pays off. And you might see Cal kind of give him some run there early in the season before some of these other guys, just to see what's there. I think Cal's definitely going to look at it. I think it allows you to kind of experiment. you got a guy that has a huge wingspan. He's probably, Derek, the best athlete on the team, honestly, when you're talking vertical and his ability to to jump, and a guy that you can, the way Kentucky throws the ball at the rim, it's just going to be interesting to see how they use him position-wise. Is he more of a face-up guy? Do they try to turn him into a post-up guy? I think he's a guy, Derek, that you try to just let his skill take over and just let him face up. If he shoots the ball well, I think he could instantly have an impact on this roster, so that'll be something interesting to watch. But that covers the mailbag, Derek. That was a full mailbag. Thank you all so much for your questions. This episode is brought to you by the Butcher's Pub with two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. One of these days, Derek, we're going to have a mailbag episode at the pub, and we will record our Friday mailbag there. Uh, So get out to the pub this weekend. Watch Kentucky, Missouri. That's 4 p.m. Eastern time on the SEC Network. Two locations, one in Pineville, one in Winsburg. You can visit the thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. But let's go ahead and get into our picks there. There's not many games this week in the SEC, and I see you reminded me to make sure I don't forget about those picks. But there's four games in the SEC. You start us off here and pick a game.
0: Yeah, these, are, these are good time slots this week. Oh, they're pretty spread out, except for when Kentucky plays, of course. But the first game will start is at noon on the SEC Network. This is Auburn going to Ole Miss. Who you got in that one?
1: Ooh, I'm going Both Ole Miss. I'm going to go Ole Miss, though. I I told you I don't like Auburn. I don't think Auburn is <laughs> really that good. I think that they should have had a loss at Arkansas. I, I'm going to go old Ole Miss.
0: I like it. I like the pick.
1: But not so fast, my friend.
0: Yeah, I think Auburn <laughs> figures it out this week. I, I just – I hate Ole Miss's defense. And last week they didn't have a great offensive performance. They they barely – I mean, I think – but there was – they turned the ball over way too much last week. That was a big problem for Ole Miss. I think they had, what, five interceptions that Matt Crowell threw? They did. So, this is one of those weird mutual games. Kentucky, obviously both losses for Kentucky this year, came to these two teams. I don't really know that either of those teams have been better than Kentucky. And that's probably – where people are kicking themselves right now. Um, I'm going to take Auburn, though. So we're going to move on to the third Saturday in October, a once-proud rivalry game that is no and more. Technically,
1: worse. it's the fourth this year.
0: The fourth, yeah. Well, <laughs> open, man. Hard to keep it. Kentucky had to give uh, – I guess Kentucky is going to see their beating on uh, the third.
1: Tennessee Tennessee, prob- <laughs> Tennessee, probably thought they played Alabama last week, <laughs> the way well, that game kind
0: of, out. kind of played out. I see uh, I see pain coming for Tennessee again on Saturday. Yeah. Actually, I said this. I told my buddy Ryan, he, people who listened to the show last week, he was a story I told of the guy who, uh, when Kentucky beat Tennessee in 2011, walked back to the car. I was uh, on PlayStation with him the other night, and I actually told him that I thought Tennessee would kind of get up off the mat this week. They're not going to win, but I don't think they're going to look as bad as they did last week. But I'm going to take Alabama probably by three touchdowns.
1: I'll take them by 40.
0: Oh, man. So you yeah. don't think Tennessee – you think you think it's no. just a dumpster fire down there? I think they're face down men. on the
1: mat this week because they're, they're going to be running the other direction. I just think that it's going to be an absolute beatdown.
0: I, I just think they're going to get up and try to prove that they were better than what they showed last week. And Jeremy Pruitt being an Alabama guy, I think he cares a whole hell of a lot about this game. And they played them tough last year. They didn't really threaten to win, but they were kind of in the game there for a while. So I just think it's – I don't think it's a total – lopsided. I think it ends up being around 20, 21 late in the game. I'd say Alabama pulls away.
1: But. I'll tell you what, if they get destroyed, the mood in Knoxville is not going to be good, Derek. And I think no, that you'll start yeah. getting a lot of talk that if Jeremy Pruitt's the guy or not this week.
0: The problem for them, too, is like they don't have like too many just like gimmies. I mean, no way does this year in the SEC. But but I know no, because Texas
1: A&M's better. Texas A&M's better than what we thought they were. And then, I do think Tennessee don't will have, beat Auburn late in the season.
0: That's I do think that they'll... For Tennessee, so we'll see how that one goes. Yeah. So after Alabama, like even Arkansas, that's who they play. They they do get a bye week to get ready for Arkansas, but even that's not like a gimme anymore. And, so. and we
1: thought that was at one point when we yeah. were looking at their schedule. We were like, man, Tennessee kind of got off on the good side of this. Now Arkansas looks like the team you kind of don't want to play because they're playing with, they're kind of playing with house money, Derek. Arkansas oh, yeah, is. I, I think yeah. they're playing, but you know what? From what we've seen from that program in recent years. Sam Pittman's doing a heck of a job there. Just getting those guys to play inspired football. Felipe Franks is having a good year. And I think that's that's good to see. I mean, I hey, the SEC's better when the Hogs are good. I've always said yeah. that. I, I think Arkansas they've had they've had a solid program and when they're good, they're really good. And I think uh, that it just adds to the excitement of the SEC. So
0: looking at the schedule on ESPN's website. If you're a Tennessee fan or an Auburn fan you're interested in that game on November 21st, you can get tickets as low as $1,800 to that game. <laughs> so if you're on a budget, you might want to go to the Texas A&M game in Knoxville because you can get tickets as low as $120 for that game. So, uh, we need
1: StubHub to sponsor this podcast so we can plug man, ticket
0: prices of $1,800. This year? I don't think so. Uh, let's move on, though. This brings us to uh, the game that people listening to this care the most about. Uh, Kentucky at Missouri, 4 p.m. kick, SEC Network. Sean, I uh, I'm gonna now I, was, I made this mention last week, so I've yet to pick a Kentucky game right this year. So I'm, I've got to pick Kentucky though. I mean I think they're the better team than Missouri. They've been riding a five game winning streak in this series. I actually think if the offense, I think this team is focused tomorrow. And maybe you'll know pretty early if they are or not. I think if they're focused, I think this can be another game where they kind of run away with it. Um, the way Kentucky plays, you know, it's kind of methodical. It's never really like a boat racing, you know what I mean, like in the first half where they get up by a time. But over the course of a game, you can see Kentucky kind of wear, wear teams down. I, I like UK, I'm going to say 38, maybe I'm picking too many points. I'm going to say like 38-17. Am I crazy? Is that too much? 45-10,
1: to 10, Kentucky wins. 45-10. to, 10.
0: 45
1: to 10. I think the defense scores another touchdown in some capacity. This time I'm going to say it's a scoop and score. I'm going to say they actually pick up a fumble and run it back. I'm just going to say something crazy. By the way, tickets to this game, Derek, if you want to sit sideline at, at in Como, it's $82.55 if you want to sit or 42 if you want to sit upper level. So, I would go for that price. But we could have went for free, but we're not going cuz uh, we're deciding to watch this one from home. and We'll have immediate reaction to it. But I'm going to go Kentucky 45 to 10. And that and, and honestly wouldn't be surprised. I Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky pitches a shutout.
0: You know, LSU, I give Missouri credit for winning that game, but LSU clearly has problems. If you look at how bad Mississippi State's offense has been, and then Missouri was basically manhandled by Tennessee. And I'm not really using that as a basis as to why I think Kentucky's going to win Saturday. But I read the story. I don't know if you read it uh, in the St. Louis dispatch of – Basically, Missouri's players are like, I, I don't know how we can't beat these guys. Like, this is such a frustrating series. <laughs> and to read Kentucky being the team that that was said about is just not something you're used to. Uh, so I do think Missouri's going to be motivated. I just, I just feel like I like Kentucky's roster a lot better. They're playing more like the team that we thought they would be in the preseason. So 38 points would be a lot for this team. Honestly, you know the offense just it's not. What was your score game. prediction? I said 38-17. That's another three. It'd be three straight weeks they won by three touchdowns. So, so I
1: picked one more score Kentucky's way, one less Missouri's way. So not far off, but I, I do think that I do think that they win this game, Derek, comfortably. I, I honestly, I mean, it's weird. It's a weird year, but I don't think this is the year Missouri beats Kentucky. And if it is, boy, does it deflate what you did last week. So that's why I think, I think that this is the
0: largest margin I've ever. No kidding. I think this is the largest margin I've ever picked. I'm, I'm already starting to step it back a little bit. Did I pick two more <laughs> No.
1: I went up seven and subtracted seven. So if you went too high, I completely – I'm going to look like an idiot tomorrow at seven o'clock if, if it doesn't work out. I just think, I really just think that Kentucky's the better team significantly. I honestly do. I don't think LSU's any good. LSU was able to go up and down the field on them. Also, we've seen LSU has defense couldn't stop Mississippi State, and then Kentucky shut them down. I really think that this could be a game, Derek, where Kentucky's defense might go into this thing and said, I don't even want them to score. We won't even let Max Duffy kick one through the back of the end zone. Don't give him any points.
0: Well, the first time that Missouri gets a first down against Kentucky over there, it'll be an improvement from what happened the last time in the second half. Uh
1: it'll be the first time they got a first down on that field against Kentucky in two years.
0: <laughs> also, shout out to former UK special teams, uh, wouldn't call him a star, but he did a good job kicking off, Grant McInnes. Yeah. plays over at Missouri now. Maybe he's been uh, giving the inside scoop to the Missouri coaches on how Kentucky does things. I don't know, but... Speaking of LSU, that's our that's the last game was on Saturday. It'll be a 7 p.m. kick in Baton Rouge. They are without quarterback Miles Brennan, by the way. They'll be hosting South Carolina, probably the best game this week, Sean. I guess. I mean, South actually, Carolina. I don't know if I'll say that they're not the two best teams by any means, but in terms of, ah, uh, I kind of think South Carolina might win this game.
1: Uh, I'm picking South Carolina to win this game. I just don't think that. Honestly, I think that Ogeron's going to go from winning a national championship in Baton Rouge to one of the hottest seats in college football. I just think that, I I don't know. like I just don't think, he, he accomplished that national championship, had a ton of talent, Derek. But before that, there were some question marks there, too. And I just think that this season, the, the sky's kind of falling, honestly, in Baton Rouge. They just lost a ton. Like you mentioned, the quarterback's out. Uh, there are kind of uh, some other things going on in Baton Rouge as well. I, I just think that South Carolina finds a way to win this game. And, you know, credit to M- Will Muschamp if they do. That's been a guy that I've been saying for two years that I think he's like one loss away, one bad loss away from kind of getting the boot. And he, he may be putting a season together now, Derek. they won two straight. And if they get this one, you're you're above 500. You're 3-2 and two, and kind of feeling a little bit better about what South Carolina's doing.
0: I think it's a good thing for everybody in the SEC East if, when Muschamp hangs around a little bit. Um, just because I think South Carolina's a program that if – I mean, you saw what they did with Steve Spurrier. When they had the right guy in there, Lou Holtz even to, to a lesser extent than what Spurrier did. But they can be a pretty tough out whenever uh, they got the right guy in there. And I, I think Muschamp's just like a very okay coach. I don't think he's – I don't think he's horrible. But he's just very, like, mediocre to me. So the longer you can keep him there – the better. And he did make a good hire, though, in the offseason. Mike Bobo is the offensive coordinator. They've been playing with a lot of life on that side of the ball. They don't have a ton of talent, actually, on offense, but they have found a way to make it work. So I just tip my hat to them. It would be a huge one for him. Um, who knows? I mean, LSU recruits well, so maybe one of these quarterbacks they're going to be bringing in will, will do well. But I don't think the quarterback would have been too much of a problem at LSU, right? I mean, even in their losses, it seemed like they'd still move the ball uh, pretty well. So... Hard to figure out. Both those teams have played Vanderbilt. They both beat Vanderbilt pretty good. And then, of course, LSU has lost to Missouri and Mississippi State. who uh, haven't. Those teams that they've lost to just have not played well, though, against other opponents. So I'm with yeah. you. I'm going to take South Carolina. Big win for a little must-champ if you can get it done. And,
1: and we'll, uh, we'll update our win-loss records going into next week. We'll talk about that, and we'll see where we are and who's leading the season and everything. I had a pretty good week last week. Can I give you another prediction for Saturday? Yes. Chris Rodriguez has eight hundred and thirty three career rushing yards at Kentucky. I think there's a chance that he gets to a thousand. I think he gets there Saturday.
0: What's that math? One sixty seven?
1: Yeah. I think he could have a big day.
0: Oh yeah, I think he could get at one sixty. And
1: here's another interesting stat, Derek. He's averaging in his Kentucky career, he's averaging seven yards per carry. Feed the dude. Seven yards per carry for his Kentucky career. That's crazy. Uh, he needs more touches. That's the guy I honestly would start the game with him, and I'd close the game with him unless it's if it's a close game. That's just what I would do if I'm Eddie Grand. I, I think that he's a guy that's shown he's capable of kind of being the bell cow back in that offense. I, I just think that that's who you lean on. And then we've seen Kentucky kind of have running backs have had very good games against Missouri in in the recent years, so I think that Rodriguez could be the next one.
0: I'll tell you the X-Factor tomorrow, Terry Wilson. And I know you could say that for every game, but Missouri's not doing a very good job stopping the QB run this year. I think Terry and those other backs, I mean, they've pretty – well, no, Missouri did a good job in 2018 shutting down the run game from what I remember. It was kind of tough sledding. And they do have a spectacular inside linebacker, Nick Bolden. He's a very good player. So I don't think this Missouri team's like just completely void of talent, but at the same time, I don't know. I just feel like Kentucky. To me, the big thing is coming and focused. If they're focused, if they're there to win, um, and, and they get off to a good start, like I think, I think it could be a good day again tomorrow for the Wildcats. But we'll see. Um, either way, we'll be right back here to record after. You'll know, actually have a, a podcast tomorrow with audio like this. You know, it won't be. We've done everyone has been in person <laughs> kind of whispering in some aspect or talking differently or like the Auburn game, you were on the road, I was home. So we'll both be home tomorrow and uh, might even have it out a little bit sooner than normal. We'll see.
1: It's, it's going to be weird for me. This is the first time that I won't be covering a UK football game in person since Southern Miss 2017. So the 42 game coverage streak comes to an end, but Derek will start a new one uh, against Georgia the following week. So, I think Kentucky's put themselves in a position. There were 0 and 2 a couple of weeks ago. Now we're sitting here 2 and 2, talking about them possibly and likely moving to 3 and 2 and getting above 500, regardless of what happens in that Georgia game a week from tomorrow. If you can go into the bye week 3 and 3 the way this season started and everything, man, you have to feel really good about what you've done and where you are. But I think Kentucky has a chance. 3 and 2, you get that win, you come back home and even though there will only be 12,000 people at Kroger Field next Saturday, if Kentucky's on a three-game winning streak, the state's kind of going to be buzzing about a matchup that I think a lot of Kentucky fans will at least look to and have some confidence to at least go in and compete and give the, give themselves a chance. So uh, definitely a lot of good things going on around UK football right now. And credit to Mark Stoops and the staff, Derek Ford, getting it figured out and getting this thing back on the right track and not wasting this season and this opportunity.
0: No question. Um, you know, if they can win this game tomorrow, it's really going to turn the attention to a team that everybody wants to compete. I mean, that's, that's the last team that Stoops doesn't, he doesn't have a win against Georgia. It's the only team in the SEC East. He's beat everybody else at least once, but pretty much every team at least twice now with what happened to Tennessee. So it'll be a big game. I I don't know. I don't know if they'll have enough to be able to get the job done, but if they can go out there and compete and, and make it a ball game and, who knows, you know what I mean? At home at Kentucky, who knows what happens if you can get to the fourth quarter and it's still be a ball game. But I do think what happened last year at Georgia, I know it was weird weather and it's different teams this year, but I think there was confidence last year. You could see it kind of growing in that game that Kentucky thought, you know, they had a chance. Big fourth down stop at midfield last year. I can remember tweeting that they were kind of there to, they were there to play. I mean, that was kind of the Georgia team last year. The offensive line was supposed to be the strength of that team and, UK really did a good job until the dam kind of broke in the second half after a, a, one of the very few bad punts in Max Duffy's career. Kind of set that avalanche off. But going to need a little bit more offense this year. Can't get shut out again next uh, week and expect to win, obviously. So either way, got to go and uh, take care of business tomorrow. And we'll see, Sean. We'll be here to talk about yeah. it either way.
1: One one cold note before we wrap up here. So I was looking at Tipton Edit's Instagram account. He actually used Keeley's picture of Scott Clark when he did the announcement that Scott committed to Kentucky. So pretty cool moment for Keeley, who hasn't you know, got to take any photos this year at games mm-hmm. due to COVID-19 and the restrictions and stuff, but I'm sure she'll be happy when I tell her about that. So that is, that's really Question.
0: cool. Shout out to Keeley. Good job, Keeley.
1: <laughs> but this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. Hopefully, fingers crossed, you'll have a, another episode some point today. If you don't get one, then things kind of fell through with the plans, and hopefully we'll get to you at some point. But if you get a second episode today, uh, I think you'll be excited about who it is. This has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll catch you later. Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran.